So, Andrew, what do we know at the moment about Al-Qaeda and IS involvement in the Charlie Hebdo attack? Are the two groups collaborating? Uh, we don't know of any public evidence that Al-Qaeda and ISIS are collaborating, and it would be very surprising if they were, uh, because there's so much hostility between them. ISIS devoted a lot of its latest issue of its English language magazine to trashing Al-Qaeda. Uh, what it appears at the moment, from the very little information available, is that some individuals linked to or inspired by Al-Qaeda, the Arabian Peninsula, and ISIS work together themselves. So the two brothers claim to act in the name of Al-Qaeda, the Arabian Peninsula, and I think at least one of them appears to have spent some time with Al-Qaeda in Yemen. Um, and the one who attacked the kosher supermarket made a video pledging allegiance to ISIS. Uh, but there's still a lot we don't know. So there were some media reports uh, claiming one of the attackers had trained in Syria, but I haven't seen anything to substantiate that yet. I'd just like to add, it's not that unusual for a jihadist plot to include people who are linked to multiple different groups. Huh. Uh, so and we've had this in Australia as well. So in 2005, there were uh, two cells busted up in Melbourne and Sydney in what was called Operation Pendennis. And some of the people in there had trained with Al-Qaeda, some with Lashkri Toiba, and also with uh, Jaishi Muhammad, which is another Pakistan-based group like Lashkri Toiba. So it's often not that unusual for a network to have links to a few different groups. And another thing to remember is that often terrorist groups don't release evidence of their involvement until sometime after an attack. So there was the underwear bombing plot in 2009, and it wasn't until four months after the attack that Al-Qaeda Peninsula released a video showing its involvement. And it was similar with the London bombings as well. Okay, so at first blush, um, the, the, the suggestion seemed to be that this attack sort of conformed to a, a recent trend we've seen of, of terrorists being uh, perhaps inspired by uh, a group but not with, with no direct links either, either through training or organisationally. But um, it might be some time before we really can establish whether uh, this is an attack that's, that's part of that, that trend. I would be very sceptical of any claims that there were no direct links at this stage, uh, given the suggestions that some of them had trained in Yemen. I think it'll be months before we can really tell. Uh, it does look quite different to the to recent attacks where it's one or two individuals acting entirely on their own. Okay. So there's a there's a conventional wisdom emerging that, that IS's ambitions are confined to the Middle East while Al-Qaeda wants to target the West. Uh, and really wants to even undermine Western capitalism. What do you make of that? Um, ISIS's ambitions aren't confined to the Middle East. It's explicitly a call for attacks in the West. It's called out to potential supporters across the world. It claims all Muslims in the world should pledge allegiance to it. And it's also sought to create affiliates in North Africa. So ISIS's ambitions certainly aren't confined to the Middle East. Uh, but it would be accurate to say that attacks in the West are high priority for Al-Qaeda than for ISIS. Uh, Al-Qaeda has few other selling points for potential supporters, whereas ISIS has its proclaimed caliphate and controls substantial territory, uh, things like that. Um, and also, Al-Qaeda has more experience, a lot more of actually launching attacks in the West uh, than ISIS does. And whereas ISIS does have more local priorities because it's engaged in a lot of combat right now, when foreign fighters are coming in, it often needs them as frontline fighters or suicide bombers or administrators and things. I think attacks in the West are high priority for Al-Qaeda than for ISIS at the moment. So I just want to dive further into this issue of the the involvement of these groups uh, in 
uh, in attacks and whether terrorist groups are directly involved or whether uh, individual terrorists are just are merely inspired by these groups. So I just want to group four attacks together, the, the, the London beheading, uh, the murder of a soldier in Ottawa, the Sydney siege, and now uh, Charlie Hebdo. Can you group those together in some useful way? What, what do they have in common and what do they say about the nature of extremist violence? Uh, I think they can all be grouped together. Uh, they're all acts of serious violence uh, within Western countries by individuals who have claimed to act on behalf of a jihadist group and often a jihadist group has tried to take credit for. Uh, but they've also often had very varying, very different levels of connections to actual groups. So the recent Paris attacks appear so far to have genuine links to actual jihadist groups. Uh, the Woolwich killer, the guy behind the painting in London, had some connections to Al-Shabaab. Whereas uh, the Ottawa murderer and um, Monas from the Sydney siege uh, appear to be lone individuals. Um, and so that creates quite a few differences between the type of plots. So lone individuals are often people who are already unstable but that uh, latch onto a cause, uh, whereas people involved in group-based plots uh, often tend to be have less personal grievances involved. So there's been some study, a few different studies done at Lobel's, for example, um, and they'll often, you know, have a much higher rate of mental illness than the general population, often have personal grievances involved, whereas studies of group-based terrorists, but they often have much lower rates of mental illness than the general population, um, which they make for very different types of plots. And as for what this shows about the nature of extremist violence and the threat, I think one thing it shows is the unpredictability of it, uh, the attacks can take many different forms and come from many different places. And it also shows that we can't stop every attack. Uh, even countries that have very strong laws and very powerful security agencies, uh, some attacks will inevitably happen. What about the, um, the, the civil war in Syria, the fighting in Iraq? Is that another, and, and the foreign fighters that are drawn to those two conflicts, is that another thread that we can run through uh, those four attacks? Um, yeah, I think that is another threat that we should definitely be concerned about, and it's one that could be around for decades. So when foreign fighters travelled to Afghanistan in the 1980s, uh, it was a long time before they started attacking other countries, and they continued to do so for quite a while. So, for example, some people, uh, some Indonesians and Malaysians who had gone to Afghanistan in the 1980s were later involved in attacks like the Bali bombings in the 2000s. Um, and we're already seeing some impact of the conflict. Uh, but even though the conflict is relatively young. So, for example, there's been, uh, there was a shooting in Belgium, uh, which murdered people outside the Jewish Museum, which is believed to have been by a person who returned from Syria. And there's been roughly 10 uh, jihadist plots in Europe involving Syria attorneys in the past couple of years. And there's been the UK, France, Belgium, uh, the Netherlands and Kosovo. Andrew, thanks very much for your time.